Yo, today's QOD is, if you're not failing, you're really not showing up. Here we go. Show. I'm your host, Sean Croxton of SeanCroxton.com. We've got Brene Brown back on the show today. This past weekend, after about a million people recommended it to me, I went on to Netflix and I checked out Brene's special called The Call to Courage, and it was amazing. I highly recommend it to you. And I thought to myself, it is time to have Brene Brown back on the show. And today she talks about the reasons why we stop ourselves from doing the things that we really want to do. I've heard them so many times from the people I do consulting with. I've done it myself as well. I still think these thoughts sometimes. And, you know, they're the fear of being seen. It's what are people going to say? How are they going to criticize me? What are they going to think? Is there really room for somebody else to do what I want to do because there's so many other people who are doing it? And what Brene is going to do today is help us to put those ideas into perspective so we can move forward with our lives and be ourselves. Here's Brene. And so what I want to do today is I want to talk very specifically about the arena. This is where, this is where we sweat. How many of you know this feeling by just looking at the picture? <laughs> yeah, show of hands. How many of you know this feeling? So this is what we do down here. Like, I don't know what you do down here, but what I, I, I set up camp down here. I like string up twinkle lights, I order takeout food. Um, I live down here sometimes, just dreaming about the day that I come up and how awesome it's gonna be. Like, but I, I stay down here a lot. And here's what we do. What, the arena's right there, you can see it, the light's there, and the fear is this. I'm scared, a lot of self-doubt, comparison, anxiety, uncertainty. And so what do most people do when they're walking into the arena and those things are going to greet them up top? What do you do? You armor up, right? This is where I would imagine the old days that they got all their stuff on. But God, that stuff is heavy and that stuff is suffocating. And the problem is when you armor up against vulnerability, you shut yourself off. And I've said this to audiences before, but I have never said it to an audience where it is more true than today, the second. When you armor up, you armor up in this hallway, you shut yourself off from everything that you do and that you love. Because vulnerability is certainly a part of fear and self-doubt and grief and uncertainty and shame, but it's also the birthplace of these. It's the birthplace of love, of belonging, of joy, trust, empathy, creativity, and innovation. Without vulnerability, you cannot create. So what I think you're asked to do as a creative on a daily basis is walk through this hall, get to the top of the stairs, and get naked. 
of course. <laughs> get naked. Get really real. Put yourself out there and walk out there so people can see you and see what you've made and see what you're doing. So when we walk out, this is what we see. Lots of seats, lots of people. But we focus in and we focus on this, the critics. I used to think the best way to put your work out into the world is to make sure the critics are not in the arena but you have no control over who's in the arena. And the best way I have found is to know that they're there and to know exactly what they're going to say to you. Because each of you know. The three seats that will always be taken when you walk into the arena, when you share your work with someone, the three seats that will always be taken are shame, scarcity, and comparison. Shame, completely universal human emotion, we all have it. It's that gremlin that whispers, you're not, you're not enough. Or if you're feeling pretty confident. Like this is, I went through this like in a, when Scott was talking, I went back and forth from like a, like a ping pong table with gremlins, back from, oh my God, I'm not enough, I'm not enough, to I can do this, I can totally do this. Ooh, who do you think you are? That's the other gremlin, that's how it works. Like look at you, big for your britches. Um, I clearly have Texas gremlins. Um, I don't know that everyone says too big for their britches, but that's what my gremlins say. So shame always has a seat. The other seat that's always taken is scarcity. What am I doing that everyone, what am I doing that's original? Everyone else is doing this. 150 people are doing it who are better trained than, I'm tra than I am. What am I contributing? Does this really matter? The third seat, always comparison. How many of you ever struggle with comparison? Oh my God, comparison is a nightmare. Um, you know, I made a pact not to talk to anyone in the green room because what I was afraid that I would end up doing is say, so what are you talking about? That's interesting because I'm going first. Um, <laughs> and so if it sounds super good and I think I suck comparatively, I may say that. And then I'm catching a flight to Dallas. Um, comparison is always there. The fourth seat I left open for you. You got to know who's in the fourth seat. Is it a teacher? Is it a parent? Is it a shitty ex coworker? Am I the only one that's ever had one of those? Um, the thing is, I don't care what people think. I don't worry about the critics in the arena. It sends a huge red flag up for me. We're hardwired for connection. When we stop caring what people think, we lose our capacity for connection. When we become defined by what people think, we lose our capacity to be vulnerable. Not caring what people think is its own kind of hustle. Trust me. So rather than locking these folks out from the arena, what I'm gonna invite you to do, this way maybe, is reserve seats for them. Which doesn't seem like 
a good thing to do. But I have 13,000 pieces of data, and I've done this work for 12 years. And what I have found and what I have learned from these folks and then tried to apply it in my own life that has changed my life is to reserve a seat, to take the critics to lunch, and to simply say when I'm trying to do something new and hard and original and I'm trying to be creative and I'm trying to innovate, to say, I see you, I hear you, but I'm gonna show up and do this anyway. And I've got a seat for you and you're welcome to come, but I'm not interested in your feedback. The other piece that's tough is to me, if you're gonna spend your life in the arena, if you're gonna spend your life showing up, really showing up, there's a couple things that you need. The first is a clarity of values. You have to, like I know, like when I came out here, I knew I could screw this completely up, I could get booed off stage, bad things could happen, but I don't have a choice because if courage is my value, I have to do this. Whether it's successful or not, it's irrelevant. So a real clarity of values is important. The other thing is you gotta have at least one person in your life who's willing to pick you up and dust you off and look at you when you fail, which hopefully you will, because if you're not failing, you're really not showing up, but who is willing to look at you when you fail and say, man, that sucked. <laughs> yeah, it was totally as bad as you thought. <laughs> but you were brave and let's get you cleaned up, and because you're gonna go back in. And this is someone who loves you not despite your imperfections and vulnerabilities, but because of them. And they should have great seats in the arena. Like I forgot for five, 10, for a decade, I forgot to invite these people into my arena. Because you know, it's the old, um, I always wanna say Karl Marx, but it's Groucho Marx difference. Um, <laughs> I'm a social worker. We read a lot more Carl than Groucho. Um, I didn't want to belong to a club that would let me in. I forgot to invite people because I thought if you're, if you're my fan, if you're here supporting me, how important could you be? Like I'm trying to win over the people who hate me. You simply love me. You simply hold my hair back when I'm puking. You pay bills with me and raise kids with me. How important could you be? I'm looking for the stranger in the mall that's who I'm trying to win over. <laughs> yes or no? Yes. Okay. The last part is, so I guess the real specific how-tos are this. The world keeps going whether you know it or not. The critics are in the arena whether you identify them and think about the messages that keep us small. They're there whether you do that or not. What I have found in my life and what I have found in my research, which fueled what I did in my life, um, is that the people who have the most courage, who are willing to show up and be the most vulnerable, are the ones who are very clear about who the critics are. The ones who reserve seats for them and say, I hear you, I get it, I know where the messaging's coming from, I'm not, I'm not, in, I'm not buying it anymore. So to get very clear, the last thing, which I think is the hardest, is this. One of these seats needs to be reserved for you. One of these seats needs to be reserved for me. I need, when we look up and we're putting an idea, 
our piece of art, our design forward. Who do you think the biggest critic in the arena normally is? Yourself. And so, definitely me. Like, I have never watched either of those TED Talks. Because it's not in service of the work for me. And I try to do things that are only in service of my work. Because what would, what would it serve for me to watch it? I would sit there and go, oh my god, suck in your stomach. Oh my god, that's not what you were going to say. You know, we're so self-critical. And one of the things that I think happens, and I think this happens a lot, it happens in different professions, but I think I, I see it a lot with creatives, is there is an ideal of what you're supposed to be. And what a lot of us end up doing is we orphan the parts of ourselves that don't fit what that ideal is supposed to be. And what it leaves when we orphan all those parts of us is it just leaves the critic. And so reserved in this seat is this. Where we came from, how we started, our families, that's me the oldest of course, The lost years, <laughs> the years where I was so lost and confused and hurt and disillusioned that I thought the only path to freedom was a flock of seagulls haircut. <laughs> um, the higher the hair, the closer to God, we say in Texas. <laughs> the people who love us, the moments that make us who we are. And in that chair should be this person. The person who believes in what we're doing and why we're doing it. And the person who says, yeah, it's so scary to show up. It feels dangerous to be seen. It's terrifying. But it is not as scary, dangerous, or terrifying as getting to the end of our lives and thinking, what if I would have shown up? What would have been different? So here's to Sweaty Creatives. Thank y'all for having me here today. I really appreciate it. All right, that was Brene Brown. Her website is BreneBrown.com. And check out her Netflix special, The Call to Courage. You will not be disappointed in that one. And if you want to watch today's entire talk, you can find it on the YouTube. It is called Brene Brown, Why Your Critics Aren't the Ones Who Count because they don't count. If they're not doing nothing, then they have no right to say anything. You have no right to listen to what they say because they ain't doing nothing. Anyway, that is it for me. I'm going to see you tomorrow. Tomorrow's clip is thebomb.com. Do not miss it. Be there. I'll see you then. Peace. Peace.